Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves by studying His Word in order to lead us to a personal transformational relationship with God. This podcast series called Philippians, How to Have Joy, was recorded from September to October of 2021, a sermon series by Preset Ministries National Director Mark Sheldrake to a local Ontario church. Now let us listen to Mark's message as he takes us into the Apostle Paul's letter to the Philippians where through scripture we can discover how to have joy. Uh, Let's pray together. Uh, Father God, we uh, come before you now and we, we pause and reflect on who you are in your character knowing that uh, by your very voice, you brought creation into existence, that uh, you can move the heavens and the earth with your voice. And so, Father, we know that uh, your power and your honor is beyond what we could ever imagine. And so I pray, Lord, that uh, as we dig into the book of Philippians now, that again, your voice uh, would reign through the words of your scriptures, that uh, we would hear clearly the message that you have for us this morning. May your Holy Spirit work in our hearts to, to challenge us in the areas where we need to be challenged. May this not be just another day that we open your word and we, we hear from it and we read from it, but this would be the day that we pause and truly know that you are speaking. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, are you ready? Do you have joy? Oh. That, that's your opportunity to tell me and all the people that are online would be the hopeful response. I, I don't know what happened before church this morning, uh, but... Do you have joy? Yeah, yeah, we have joy. Uh, I'm extra joyful this morning. Um, A couple reasons. Uh, Not anything to do with scripture, but uh, hockey came back last night. (laughs) I promise I won't talk about it too much. I just wanted to share one thing with you. I was was kind of... Uh, still in a coma from some food truck at Long Point that gives French fries and all this stuff. But I was watching the game and kind of paying attention, thinking about Philippians. And uh, my wife, who's w- with me today, Jessica, she says, oh, they're winning. You know? And I was like, yeah, it's preseason. And oh, they're doing really well. And I said, yeah, they're doing really well. And then, then the statement came that sort of sucked some of the joy out of the preseason game. She says, don't they do really well all year long and then suck the hope out of you at the end? <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> Every single time. Anyway, so uh, I was thinking about that uh, last, last night. And I'm so thankful that our joy is not in a sports team that our joy uh, can be found uh, in the word of God and in our position in Christ. That's what we're talking about. Uh, How to have joy uh, in our position in Christ. Uh, This week and then uh, next week are uh, two very, very challenging weeks in the scripture. Uh, They'll almost, uh, we'll do our best, but they'll almost... Uh, be the same type of message, but there's a reason for that because God is uh, going to speak clearly to us to one of the most difficult things that we have to deal with on a regular basis. So first, let me set the standard of the question that we're going to answer. Okay, so this is the question that we're going to answer this morning. Remember, the overall whole series is how to have joy. All right, so how do we have true joy? But this time, today, we're answering, how do we find joy in our suffering? All right, so how do we find joy in our suffering? So let me just create the context of where we're going. So uh, in case you, you've missed a, a few weeks, 
Uh, We are in Philippians, and the theme of Philippians is rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. All right, so the key words that come through Philippians are mind and attitude, gospel, and then, of course, joy or rejoicing. So the whole focus is in our mind how we can continually have a mindset of joy and rejoicing in the midst of difficulty. Paul, as he's writing this, he's in prison, all right? So he is in prison for the gospel, and uh, we all saw last week what happened in the book of Acts and what brought them to Philippi, and now we're gonna even dig further into uh, Philippians, starting at verse 12, but knowing what Paul is writing to the church uh, is coming from a position of suffering, all right, this is not a joy for Paul to be in prison, all right? So he, he's not living uh, in a condo by the lake, enjoying the waves of the raging sea of Lake Erie like I was all weekend. No, he is in prison, and he's regular beat, regularly beaten for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But Paul, he's gonna show us uh, right in the first verse of chap- in the first verse we're going to look like in verse 12, he's going to show us something very important. All right, and this very important thing uh, is vital to the entire passage breaking down for where we're headed. So our goal this morning is to get from verse 12 all the way to verse 26. Okay, so let's look at verse 12 and then we will um, pause and see a couple cross-references. Now, Paul says, I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. Okay, so look at verse 13. So that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. So the first thing I want you to see here is that Paul, he, he's calling what he's going through a circumstance, all right? Look, he's, he's like, oh, you know, the circumstance that I'm in right now is actually better because the gospel is going forward, all right? So in this, if Paul were uh, not a humble guy, and he was an arrogant man, the way he could record this in his letter is, I want you to know, brethren, that I've been beaten with rods, that I have been shipwrecked, that I have um, scars on my back, that my back hurts when I roll over, that it's way too difficult for me to, to walk, and, you know, Every day, somebody is beating me for this job that I have. And, you know, I don't really like being beaten. It's a very painful thing. And yet, he just says here, I want you to know that the circumstances I'm in, and he doesn't really go into all this great detail like he could. And he does that in Corinthians. But here, he's like, the circumstances I'm in, because I'm in prison right now, it's actually better for the furtherance of the gospel. Huh. There's, there's something gotta be happening in Paul's mind that, that says that I know that if it was me, for example, would I be humble enough to say that if I was in prison, would I be entrusting that the gospel would go forward or do I think it's my job, right? Like, I need to be doing this because there's nobody else that can do it. That's kind of having the wrong mindset. Now, let's look at what Jesus, uh, Jesus says uh, to the disciples, okay? Luke chapter 21. So flip with me over to Luke chapter 21, and I want you to see what Jesus tells the disciples uh, when uh, they are going to go out. Now, Jesus is telling them in this passage in Luke 21, this is concerning the signs of the second coming. So I want to keep us in context so the disciples want to know 
when the second coming is going to happen and what is going to happen during that time. Well, Jesus lays out all kinds of uh, signs that are going to happen beforehand. We're not going to cover all those. We're going to look at verses 12 and 13. Uh, It always starts with a but, right? So verse 12 says, but before all these things, before everything that's going to come in the signs before the second coming, he says, they will lay hands on you and they will persecute you, delivering you uh, to the synagogues and to the, what does it say in your words, in the Bible? What's the word that it says right there? Where? Where's Paul? Prison. So Jesus is already telling the disciples way beforehand, before he's left this earth, that before the signs of the ends of the times, because you are servants of the gospel, you are witnesses, that you will be delivered over to prison and that you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. Now look what he says in verse 13, that when this happens, it will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. You see what he says? That uh, in the circumstances of going and being taken captive for the furtherance of the gospel, that when you are in prison, it will lead for an opportunity for you to share the gospel. Now look what it says in verse 13 of Philippians chapter 12, or chapter 1. Uh, Verse 12, now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. My imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole praetorian guard and to everyone else. What is Paul doing in prison? Sharing his testimony. Just like Jesus said in the book of Luke, that when you get put into prison, it's going to lead to an opportunity for you to share your testimony. And so Paul, in the midst of his suffering, he has one focus and one focus only. And that is the progress of the gospel. So I want to give you three points uh, this morning. This is the perfect Baptist sermon, all right? This is three points Uh, We're going to go through and uh, to bring us all together. And here's the first point. All right. The first point is that in the midst of our suffering and our circumstances, we must put Christ first. Okay. So you probably are thinking back. And this is something that I was specifically praying well before we started the service. Because the three points that I'm going to cover this morning, I guarantee you 100% you've heard them before. And you're going to say, I know that. And you're going to sit and you're going to go, I've been taught this since I was a wee one in Sunday school. But my prayer for you this morning was that this would be a fresh and a new for you. And it would challenge you. Because we are talking about some very important things this morning when it comes to suffering. So the first is that we must put Christ first. And so let's walk all the way up to verse 21 because Paul is going to show us uh, what it's like to put Christ first. All right, let's start back at verse 12. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel so that my imprisonment is the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. And that most of the brethren, uh, most of the brethren trusting the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. I just want to pause there for a minute and, and think about this. That Do you see how uh, when Paul's taken out of the picture, what happens to all the other people? They rise up and they have greater courage to share the gospel because maybe, just, just maybe, everybody was relying on Paul to take the gospel wherever they went. And when Paul was then taken out of the picture and put in prison, everybody else stood up and got the courage to do it. 
If Paul can be beaten for the gospel, uh, so can I stand up and join in the gospel. Uh, Paul says in, in 2 Timothy, he says to Timothy, join me in suffering for the gospel. Uh, here they're stepping up, and because Paul's in prison, they've got way more, encur- way more courage to speak the word of God, the gospel, without fear of what's going to happen to them. Uh, look at verse 15. Uh, Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife. But some also are doing it from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. Okay, so Paul, uh, in this section, he he's talking about because he's in prison that people are stepping up into the role to share the gospel. But, but you see what happens? He's talking about two different people. It's two different people groups here. He's talking about the first group of people, uh, they are preaching the gospel uh, because... Um, from envy and strife, all right? So some of them might be uh, preaching it for the cause of division, to drive people uh, away from maybe a a devotion to Paul. Uh, The others, they're preaching it from a heart of love and of goodwill. Uh, They're preaching the gospel to to ensure that those who hear the gospel are are saved and their motive is to populate heaven and plunder hell. That's their motive out of goodwill, that they don't want to see anybody like earlier Ephesians 2 was read to us, uh, face the wrath of God. Uh, The others... Uh, not so pure in their motives, but they're preaching the gospel to cause Paul some distress. Uh, This is absolutely mind-blowing that when we as believers have the mission of the gospel and putting Christ first, look at what happens uh, to Paul in verse 18. He's, He's talking about these two groups. He says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, get ready, this is your part, and in this I what? Rejoice. Rejoice. What? What? He rejoices that some people preach the gospel with a poor pretense? His mission is this. I care more that the gospel of Jesus Christ goes forward and that lives are plundered from hell and heaven is populated more than the motive behind it. Uh, This mission or single-minded focus Uh, does not allow our circumstances to control who we are and what happens around us. We, We focus solely on Jesus Christ. And what Paul is doing here in verse 18... Now, a good man of doctrine, I'm, I'm sure it would kind of rub him a lo- the wrong way if it was bad doctrine that was being taught. But he's not talking about bad doctrine. He's talking about motive in which the doctrine is presented. Uh, if you have bad doctrine, that, that's going to be like fingers on the chalkboard. But here, what he's saying is that I rejoice. And so I've wrote in the margin of my Bible, and this is what you need to write down. Okay, ready? We need to turn the circumstances that we are in to understand we can use it to further the gospel. So we need to turn the circumstances into furthering the kingdom of God. 
You see what Paul's doing there? How often would you and I, all right, uh, me, for example, I, I struggle with this sometimes, is that uh, if I'm in, in the church and uh, somebody is preaching from the pulpit, that maybe they're not doing it the way that I would want them to do it, and therefore I might turn off. Or they're not saying it exactly like, or doing it like I would do it, and therefore I actually get more upset that they're not doing things the way that I want them to do it, than I think about using those circumstances and asking the question, are they doing something that's furthering the gospel and populating heaven and plundering hell? Do you know where we get into these battles? <laughs> we get into these battles over things like, uh, we're not singing the songs that I like anymore. Is the gospel being preached? Are lives being transformed? Don't get me wrong. There are some songs uh, from, from the hymn book that I just love because they are filled with doctrine and I would love to be belting those songs out. I also know that on the other end, there are some really bad songs that are coming out right now. And music is not the be all end all, but we have to look at our lives being transformed by the message that comes from the word of God that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because what Paul says here is Paul saying that more important than anything else is that lives are being changed and I can rejoice in the transformation that is happening. That right there takes a major move of humility. Uh, that is probably one of the hardest things to do because we all have what we think is the right way to do something. Uh, Paul, as we go, and we're going to be walking through this over the next uh, two weeks, Paul is just going to hammer us on unity. And, and that first step towards unity is rejoicing in the circumstances that we're in and understanding that the most important thing is to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, let's take some cross-references because uh, we just don't want to look at what this says here. Okay, so we already looked at Luke chapter 21. Look at John chapter 3, verse 30. So our focus must be uh, Christ as our main mission and our single-minded focus. All right, so uh, John chapter three, verse 30, it's uh, six, seven words in my uh, Bible that, uh, again, you've probably heard this before. Uh, he, Jesus, must increase I, Mark, must decrease. Who goes to the front? Jesus. Who goes to the back? Mark. Single-minded focus, focusing solely on Jesus. Now, look at Colossians chapter three, and Paul addresses this again. All right, so Colossians is right before, right after Philippians, right? General Electric Power Company. If you ever want to remember where all those are, you can remember simply by that wonderful saying. Did you write that one down? General Electric Power Company. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. All right. Chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. Uh, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand, set your mind on the things above and not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with, Christ, with God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then also you will be uh, revealed with him in glory. Okay, so just 
Let's pause and think through this for a minute. If you have been raised with Christ, that means that if you are a believer, you identify with Christ, then you are to keep your eyes focused on the things above. Not on the circumstances that surround us, not on the the waves of the ocean. When you think about Peter, when Peter took his eyes off Jesus, he fell in the water and started to sink. Uh, We are to be single-minded in focus, and that is our focus on Christ. And where's Christ? He's at the right hand of God. Why do we want to focus on him? Because when he was here on earth, he defeated sin and darkness, and our position is with him, and therefore we can rejoice in what Christ has done on the cross, and we need to keep our eyes on the one who has victory. Set your mind on the things above and not on the things of earth. Now look what he says here in verse three. This is very interesting, isn't it? For you have died and your life is at the forefront with Christ. Is that what it says? It says hidden. Uh, Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Uh, When Christ, who is our life, when, when he is revealed in all glory, when he comes back, we will be revealed with him. So Christ is at the center of all we do. Okay, so uh, let me um, take you then to our next point. Okay, so let's walk through, back through Philippians. So turn, turn back to Philippians chapter two and let's look at verse 18. Verse 18 says, uh, what then only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice, yes, and I will rejoice. Uh, he just doesn't say rejoice once. He says it twice. He's pretty, he's pretty joyful that the gospel's going forward. And now he says, look, for I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in anything, but with all boldness, Uh, Christ will even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. And then look how he ends this this verse. He says, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Uh, Anybody uh, got that on a t-shirt? Anybody wearing that around to town? For me to live is Christ to gain. You know, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What is Paul saying here? He says that whatever happens to him, whether his deliverance, okay, his deliverance would be his release from prison or that he dies for the gospel that through his body, whether it be through the beatings and all of this or the actual sacrifice, that Christ would be exalted. Do you see Paul's single-minded focus? His sole focus is Christ. He, He doesn't draw on anything else. So much so that he calls that very beginning, everything that's gone in his life, is a circumstance. It's, it's not, oh, whoa, is me. Stop hitting my back. Just, it's too much. No, for me to live is Christ. I will keep taking this until the point of death as long as God is glorified in everything that happens to me because my sole purpose is Jesus. How often when we get into the circumstances of our life, is that not our life verse? How often when we get caught into something difficult and the suffering that we face, that it's so
so hard to overcome that we actually just want to break away from that relationship with Jesus because maybe that would be much easier than it would be to be whipped with chains or whatever the suffering and persecution is. Maybe it's easier to walk away. Have you ever had that thought? You know, tomorrow, uh, I'm flying to Halifax, uh, Nova Scotia. So I am, uh, I don't know, a little nervous to get on a plane again. Anyway, so I'm flying there tomorrow, and it's not about my circumstances, but I want to share something with you. And uh, I know, I know that the person that uh, I'm going to talk about will hear this, and that's totally okay. Uh, this woman that I'm going to uh, visit tomorrow, she, she's a, a Bible teacher with Precept. Uh, we just invited this woman onto our board of directors. Uh, we were really excited to get her on the board of directors with us, uh, um, just to be an encouragement. She's a real prayer warrior. And uh, I've gotten to know her really, really well. And... Uh, about a week after we invited her onto the board, uh, she got a call from her doctor that uh, she has cancer. And so one of the things that uh, we found, she found out was she said, uh, it's breast cancer. And, and what she was gonna, they were going to do was something like uh, six rounds of chemo, then a surgery, then some radiation, some other drug, and then chemo, and then something else. Uh, all to kill this cancer. And uh, she said to me, uh, the doctor says I'm going to be out for a bit, that I won't be able to teach, but my greatest joy is teaching. I just want to teach. Uh, I just want to keep teaching the word of God. And so she started into the chemo and she started getting really sick. And then the doctors called her back and informed her that she has a second cancer in her body. And so I called our board of directors and I'm like, we need to get together and we need to gather as much as we possibly can to encourage her and give her love offerings so that she can use those as she goes through all of these struggles. So I get this email from her and I, I thought about reading the whole thing to you, but this, this, is, this is what it said. All right, we sent her... Uh, a lot of stuff. Like we sent her all kinds of gift cards and all this stuff to take care of her. And, and this is what she said. She said, I will find joy in what I'm going through. The furthering of the gospel is the most important thing to me. I'm gonna do that until the Lord takes me home, if he takes me home, or I will get back to teaching after I recover. And she took all these gift cards that we had set for her and her family and she went to the hospital with them and started handing them out to other patients and she had all kinds of Bible studies and were handing them to doctors because her main mission is populate heaven and plunder hell. That's it. Her sole focus is Christ. And if you talk to her, you would not know that cancer is eating away at her body and pushing her to the point where she can't get out of bed and she listens to podcasts and listens to videos of my teaching, of all the teaching to listen to. <laughs> and she finds joy in being present in the circumstances that she's in. And you know what? I'm not going to visit her tomorrow to like have a time of mourning. I'm going there that hopefully when I stand beside her, some of that joy rubs off on me because that's what Paul is going through, just what this woman is going through. The circumstances that he is in are life and death. Hers are life and death. And she is singing joy and the gospel is the most important. And so is Paul. 
And you see, this is the thing. If she can do it as a believer in Jesus, we can do it. Because she's not any more special than any one of us if we're all children of God. And so our heart, our heart needs to be single-minded in Jesus. And the end of one of her emails says that if the Lord takes me home, I will glorify him in that and give him all the praise. To be able to face death in the eye and to say to live is Christ. To die is gain. Uh, This is just beyond Paul now. There are people in the world who are living this. And so we too need to live that statement, that Christ needs to be the single-minded focus of our lives as we suffer. All right, here's the second one for you. It starts in verse 22. In verse 22, it says, but if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. I do not know which to choose, uh, but I'm hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to part and to be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue uh, with you all for the progress and joy in the faith, so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. Uh, Point number two, first is Christ needs to be first. Uh, Point number two is others need to be second. So Christ is first. Others are second. So what Paul's telling us here in verse 22, okay, so for me to live is Christ, to die is gain, and then because you're becoming great Bible study students, the word but, right? There's that word but again, the contrast. And he says, if I am going to keep living in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Ha! Guess what? If I get to live, I get to tell more people about the gospel. That's my mission, Right? That's what he's saying. My mission will be to continue to bring the gospel to those. All right? Uh, Fruitful labor for me. Uh, I don't know what to choose. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that Paul uh, torn between uh, being present with the Lord in heaven versus staying in the corrupt world to teach the gospel of Jesus? He doesn't know what to choose. He says, I'm hard-pressed from both directions. Look what he says about his, his heart and his desire. My desire is to be with Christ. Why? <laughs> so much better. Oh, beaten, painful, rods, shipwrecks, hunger, starvation, prison. It's better. I'm hard-pressed to choose between the two. Heaven is so much better, a resurrected body. Uh, Yesterday, we looked at the end of our our time together. We looked at this amazing whiteboard. Where is it, guys? No, just kidding. (laughs) Anyway, so this great big whiteboard, and at the end, it talked about this tree of life and the fruit that is abundant that comes uh, at the end when when all is restored back to what it really was at the before at the beginning of Genesis, this this fruit that we can eat from and we can partake with this river of life and these angels singing glory and you know you're hanging out with all the patriarchs of the Bible with Moses with Elijah with Elisha all of these people that you are with Paul says I'm hard pressed like my heart I want to be there you know I want to be 
in that place with Jesus who's sitting at the right hand of God because that place is so much better than it is to continue living in this body that's been beaten and destroyed. But I'm hard-pressed. My heart says that I want to be within, but it's very much better for me to remain in the flesh. Why? It's necessary for your sake. Do you see that? Do you see it? He's telling us it's, it's not for him. His desire is to be gone. But he needs to stay for you. So right here, Paul, he is putting others before himself. Paul doesn't let his personal desire to be with the Lord take more importance than his role in building the kingdom of God. Here's the thing, and I, I, I want you to just, th- this one might hurt, okay? This, this point might hurt. I was so nervous writing it down because it hurts me. Selfishness, putting yourself first, does not breed joy. It doesn't. When, when you put yourself at the top over Jesus and everything is about you, it doesn't bring you joy. It brings unhappiness. You know why? You can't satisfy yourself. You can never have enough to be truly joyful on your own. So Paul says, I'm torn, but I need to stay for your sake. Uh, And he says, convinced of this, I know that I am going to remain and continue with you for your progress and with joy in the faith. It's not my time to go yet because I'm hanging in here until the mission's over. Now, flip over back with me over to um, the beginning of Philippians. And let's look just at what this prayer was that for what Paul was having. Okay, so Paul, he says, I thank God in remembrance of you, always giving thanks and offering a prayer with joy in every day, for in view of your participation in the gospel for the first day of now. Look what he says now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus. Now look at verse nine. He says, and this I pray, that your love may still abound more in real knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve the things that are excellent in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. Do you see what he's talking about here? He's saying, I'm confident that God is going to do a great work and he is going to accomplish it. So what he started through the gospel, God will complete. But Paul does have a role to play because we're gonna see through the rest of Philippians that he's gonna drop down some doctrine for these people and he's going to show them to how to have joy in the midst of their circumstances. So this is all about spiritual growth that needs to continue on after accepting Jesus as Lord and Savior. And he wants to see them mature and grow in Christ. Now, uh, let me give you these two points again because here's where they may sound very familiar. All right, the first is put Christ first. Uh, The second is put others second. Turn with me over to Matthew chapter 22 and uh, let's take a look at what the author of this gospel tells us in these verses. So uh, Matthew 22 Uh, verse 37, okay? Remember, Paul, his greatest desire is to have the mind of Christ. He wants to pursue Christ in all things. 
And in verse 37 of this passage in Matthew chapter 22, uh, there's a discussion with a Pharisee and Jesus over the greatest commandments in the law. And he says, first, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Do you see what Paul's doing there in Philippians? What did he tell you? The greatest commandment. Jesus says the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Put Christ first, right? That's what he's showing us in Philippians. Now look at the second greatest commandment. He says the, great, the second in verse 39 is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Wait a minute. Did Paul just drop down in Philippians the two greatest commandments? Put Christ first, put others second. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, turn over to First uh, John chapter four, uh, verses seven and eight. And let's look at um, uh, the Gospel of John. This, if you've not studied the Gospel of John, First John, you need to. First John chapter four, because First John First John will give you all of the signs of what it means to be a true believer in Jesus Christ. So look at First John four verses uh, seven and eight. Beloved. Let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. What does he tell us there? Love one another. Where does love come from? It comes from God. He says, everyone who loves is born of God. When we put ourselves first and we put everything else in the background, we will not find joy in our circumstances. Paul here is putting everybody else before his greatest desire. His love for the people is more than his love to depart and be with Christ. Why? Because he wants to help them get to heaven. He wants them to grow and mature. That's his prayer. Grow and mature so that you'll be blameless at the coming of Christ. He wants to walk with them in their relationship. He loves them so much. We already talked about the context of this letter and how it's different from others, but he loves the Philippians. He wants to see them grow and come and be a part of eternity. All right, so uh, let's look at the last one now. Okay, so the first is put Christ first. The second is that we must put others second. And, you know, when we put ourselves first, we, we really kind of focus on the woe is me of our circumstances and forget that we can glorify God in them. The third is this, all right? This is, this is the one that's gonna hurt. I, you, we must be last, all right? So Christ is first, then others before us, and we must be last. Look at verse 25 and 26, Convinced of this, I know that I'm going to remain and continue with you all for the progress and joy in the faith. Uh, the word so that, okay, the word so that is like a therefore. So it's a term of conclusion. And anytime you see a therefore, you say to yourself, what's it there for? All right, so you look at that, what's it there for? And he says, so that your proud confidence in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. All right, so let's look at this. How can, how can something be referred to as last and yet the text has this word proud? 
Uh, this word proud is not uh, an arrogance, but it is boasting in something that is good. The King James does not have the word uh, proud. It has the word rejoice. So if you see what he says here, he says, so that uh, your rejoicing in me may abound in Christ Jesus through my coming to you again. Do you see, do you see what is happening here? Paul is not desiring that, that they would be proud of him and boast in him, but that they would boast in what Christ is doing in and through Paul in the opportunity to come back to him and to the church. So, so what, what he's asking them to do is first and foremost is to be rejoicing that Christ has done a great work in giving me the opportunity to come. You see, Paul's sole focus here is that in all of this, what I want you to see from the very beginning of this book of Philippians all the way to where we are now is Paul is talking about his circumstances, but never once is he calling us for that to be the focus. He's calling us to focus on the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's all he talks about. If I were to hold my Bible up to you and you could see all of my precept markings in the text, there are more references to Jesus in this section and the gospel and the others than there is to Paul. Paul is not the center of this passage. Paul is showing us that he is willing to sacrifice his body. He is willing to face death. That he is willing to go the distance for the gospel of Jesus and for the benefit of others. Uh, do you have that attitude within your heart that you would be last? Because this is the thing. Are you ready? There, there used to be this uh, TV show where uh, it was like the magician's secrets revealed. If you really wanted to know how to chop a woman in half in a box, you had to watch that show. But right here in the text, we have the greatest secret to joy. And, and, and the greatest secret to joy is putting Christ first, putting others second, and us being last. There is no greater joy than seeing Jesus Christ work in the life of somebody else. There's no greater joy than participating in the furtherance of the gospel. There's no greater joy than celebrating the life of a saint who finished well and will spend eternity in heaven. That's why when you and I, when we go to a funeral, we sing with great joy. Why? Because death was defeated and life is in Christ and that person ran their race well, finished well, and will spend eternity with Jesus. But you see, Paul he is so gospel-focused. Even though he's torn to be with Christ, he says, oh, it's, I think it's better for me to stay here because work, there's work to be done. And so I pondered that myself this week. And I thought, how great would it be to uh, depart? To, to spend eternity with Jesus Christ. And then I turn on the news and I look at uh, social media and Facebook 
and I see all of this stuff that's happening in the world, and, and we are in a corrupt world. Uh, our, our culture is in such great moral decline, it, it saddens me. I think about the people often who have lived 70, 80 years on this earth knowing that where they started in their childhood, raised in the scriptures, in school, in church every week, to look at where our culture is now. Do you know, we live in a selfish culture. Our, our culture is all about me. It's how I feel. It's how I act. It's how I want to find gratification. It's how I want to do whatever I want to do because you know what? I can do it. I can say what I want to say and I can do it anonymously by changing my name. I can do whatever I want. You see, here's the hard part. Uh, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you cannot do whatever you want. You gave all of that up. You gave that up to follow after Christ. To make Christ your single-minded focus. And that the outpouring of your love for Jesus Christ will be your love for others. And then your love through Jesus and your love that flows out of the love for Jesus becomes your love for others, you will automatically put yourself last. That's just the way it works. You see, you've heard this before. But the challenge is right now through, through the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and I'm going to pray because this is the question that you need to ask God. Right here, right now. And this is not one of those Billy Graham things where you're all going to come to the front and we're all going to be good. That's not what we're talking about here. This is a moment where you talk to, the, to God, that all-glory, all-powerful God that we sang about. The one that has the ability to speak clearly to us through the Holy Spirit. That you need to ask that. Is Christ first in my life? Do I put others before myself or do I only care about me? That's it. That's the question you need to ask. Because I promise you next week, we're going to look at this verse 27 and on. And I just want to introduce it for a minute and then I'm going to pray. Look what he says in verse 27. Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. So that whether I come and see you or remain and absent, I will hear of you that you are standing firm in what? What's the word? One spirit. You see, I can introduce this to you next week, but this means nothing to us without understanding these three principles today. That we must put Christ first. We must put others before us, and I must be last. That is what you must take before the Lord this week. And I, I'm praying for you, and I'm praying for me, that this not just be something I bring to you, but that we all challenge ourselves in it to ask the Holy Spirit to convict us where we need to be convicted. Let's pray together. Father, we do uh, thank you for your words, these Words are not my words. These are the words that come from your book. And Father, I pray that as we uh, take a moment now to, to pause and, and think through what you have said this morning. That Father, uh, your son Jesus, while walking this earth, and you, your very self, when you gave the law to Moses on those tablets and, and you said the most important priority in the book of Deuteronomy was to love you with all heart, soul, and mind. 
That Father, when your son walked the earth, he not only said that it was important for us to love you with our heart, soul, and mind, but he added to that and he said, love your neighbor as yourself. These are the two greatest commandments that lay before us. And so I pray this morning that through your spirit, you would speak clearly to us. uh, Is Christ my single-minded focus? Do I put others before me? And am I last? Father, speak clearly to us in that this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast by Preset Ministries Canada. Be sure to visit our website, presetministries.ca, to find a Bible study class or workshop that will give you the tools to know God deeply and live differently.